Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs> Kia ora and welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I am your host, Jordan. I am mum to two beautiful little boys, Jai and Ali. I also host the Your Birth Project online hypnobirthing course and the Mini Kiwis First Aid course for parents of under five-year-olds. And I have an online store attached to Your Birth Project, which encompasses everything pregnancy, birth and postpartum related. So just absolutely love that side of the business. I'm also a very, very passionate storyteller and a lover of all things birth. So hence why I am leading you on this podcast. I'm not an advocate for any particular type of birth or model of birth care. I am simply here to hold space for this platform for you to share your beautiful stories with us all. You'll hear stories of joy, of heartbreak, of love, of loss and each family has a different experience to share. I'm trying to bring to light stories that we often only tell in the darkest of places or to our closest of friends but really are so important for everybody to hear. So I hope that you love the podcast of these beautiful families all over Aotearoa and I will let you jump into the podcast now. Enjoy. In today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Annalise and she takes us through her two pregnancy and birth stories with her son Jackson and her daughter Olivia. Annalise is an orthopedic nurse and now a stay-at-home mum. They are dairy farmers. Um, they have a lot of things going on, lots of, um, yeah, keeping them very busy. She takes us through her first pregnancy with Jackson where she had a midwife for her care and a relatively normal pregnancy. She ended up with high blood pressure at 38 weeks, so she talks us through that, as well as being in COVID level 3. She had a hospital hospital admission and then ended up being induced, so she talks us through what that was like and then eventually into an emergency caesarean birth. She discovered that she had group strep B after her birth, so she talks us through what that meant for her care afterwards and then into her sort of postpartum experience. Then we chat a bit about yeah parenting and um, being a parent to a newborn and a toddler and all that sort of stuff and then go into falling pregnant with Olivia and what that experience was like. She had a hematoma early in pregnancy which meant that she had quite a bit of bleeding as she described um, like more than just sort of spotting and that was before eight weeks so she talks to us about what that meant for her and what sort of diagnosis came next. Then she talked through wanting to try and have a vaginal birth after caesareans or a VBAC, uh, high blood pressure again, and then into her birth story, which was really interesting. And then afterwards, they discovered a lump on Olivia's neck, which was described as a tumor. I'm not going to try and describe <laughs> or pronounce what type of tumor it was. It was benign, but she talks us through that whole journey when they've had to go into Starship, what the outcome was and Olivia is three months old now so she talks through yeah what that's meant for them and how that sort of changed and impacted her journey postpartum this time around. So I hope you enjoy the episode. I really loved chatting with Annalise. I know that you're going to get something out of it so I will let you jump into it now. Enjoy. Hi Annalise, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, hi Jordan, thanks for having me. No worries. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? Um, cool. So my name's Annalise. Um, my uh, husband's name is Tim. We've been married for two years, but we've been together for almost 10, which is a bit crazy, actually. <laughs> um, we have um, our son, Jackson. He's two years old and our daughter, Olivia. She's three months um, I'm currently a stay-at-home mum, although before having kids, I was um, an orthopaedic nurse. Um, we're living in Northland, just north of um, Whangarei, and my husband is a contract milker, so we're, we live on a dairy farm 
about maybe 40, 45 minutes away from town. So kind of rural, but not really. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, and we love it. Yeah, awesome. Very cool. And do you want to talk us through what the journey was like to pregnancy for you and your husband? And it was pretty straightforward. Um, so we got married. Um, I had an IUD in, so I got that taken out pretty much straight away. And um, we were pretty keen on having um, a family quite young. I guess a lot of people these days kind of want to pursue a career, especially for women. Like you have to really take a step back in your career if you are going to have kids. Mm. Um, but we were still pretty keen on having um, a family young. So I think I was 26 and Tim would have been about 28. So we got married and um, I think it only took us like six weeks, maybe eight weeks to get pregnant. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was a relatively easy process for us. Yeah. Awesome. And did you have many like symptoms that made you think maybe you were pregnant? What was that first sort of couple of weeks in the first trimester like? Um, well, we were tracking, um, like I think we used that Flow app. Um, oh, yeah. So I was tracking my cycles and I knew exactly which day my period was supposed to come, but I'm extremely impatient and <laughs> was taking pregnancy tests like mm. quite a few days before my period was even due. And I got um, a very faint line and I was so excited. Didn't have any symptoms or anything like that. Um, but yeah, so that was pretty cool. And then I just had that the real standard nausea up until about 12 weeks and luckily didn't have any vomiting, which was really good. And mm. um, I did find it quite hard at work um working on the ward sometimes you know you're dealing with I guess some gruesome things most of the time that would not bother me one little bit but yeah. oh boy oh boy some things I was like wow okay I really need to step out of the room <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. but yeah I mean it was pretty it was pretty pretty standard yeah awesome oh I can oh <laughs> the some of the stuff that you would come across at work yeah it gives me the yeah I probably shouldn't talk about it on the podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah cool and did you have a midwife for your care or what did you decide to do there yeah yeah we went down the um, midwifery you uh, route so yeah we I mean we definitely we liked it and we did everything you know we did all the standard testing and everything that was recommended yeah. but I wouldn't say that I necessarily like really clicked with her um mm. but I mean we were still happy with the care that we we got and there wasn't anything to make me think oh maybe I should try and find another midwife that kind yeah, of sure. seemed like it was a little bit in the too hard basket so mm. um yeah yeah awesome and what was the rest of your pregnancy experience like did you have any sort of other symptoms that popped up throughout your pregnancy and did you find out the sex of your baby what did you do there um, we decided to have a surprise gender, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so that was awesome. And otherwise, I mean, it was a pretty standard pregnancy. I think I definitely struggled with the whole body image change. Um, mm. Before I got pregnant, I was doing quite a lot of running. And then when I did fall pregnant, all of a sudden I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I really can't run that far at all or I can't mm. run as fast as I used to and it took quite a lot to kind of accept mm. um but unfortunately at about so I had a very standard pregnancy up until about 38 weeks um and then I developed high blood pressure so I didn't have any of their classic preeclamptic um, symptoms where they test for like protein in your urine yeah. or headaches or any other symptoms like that. But I just had this ridiculously high blood pressure. It was like mm -hmm. 190 over 100, which is really high. Um, so I did have an admission to hospital. And so, yeah, I was just bang on 38 weeks then. Yeah. And did they, they find that high blood pressure at like a standard midwife appointment or how did you come across yeah. that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it was just at my standard midwifery checks. Um, yeah. I think I got the point. I think she was doing every like two weeks towards the end of the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was just recording it. And you could just see like on the trend, it was just slowly going up and up and up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she called out the hospital. You know, they were like, oh, you know, she should come in for some monitoring. And at this stage, it was COVID level three. Um, so I didn't really want to go into the hospital. But mm -hmm. anyway... And they went in and they just wanted to monitor it. But 
wasn't going down, so they ended up giving me a medication called labetalol, which worked a treat. It brought it down comfortably, which was good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they then they started talking about they wanted to induce me, um, rather because they, even though I didn't necessarily have preeclampsia, they said that I was at a really high risk of developing preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. They didn't want yeah. me to go home because we lived, um, you know, on a farm quite far away from hospitals so they didn't Mm -hmm. want me to um I think you can get something called like a a, like have a seizure have a fit when you're at home if you've got preeclampsia so um they just were kind of being right on the safe side so we Mm -hmm. chose to have an induction in the end yeah awesome and had you done any like birth education or or anything like that in your pregnancy um we chose to, well, we originally wanted to go to the Bethlehem Birthing Centre and I was pretty keen on having um, a natural a natural birth, as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, yeah, we booked in with the Bethlehem Birthing Centre antenatal classes, but it was COVID level four, so it was all on Zoom, which yeah. was fine. It was, it was okay. Um, I think there was only about maybe four or five people on the Zoom meeting thing, um, but I think my husband found it way more beneficial than myself. I thought mm. it was a little bit, I thought it was a little bit average, um, <laughs> but it probably would have been a different scenario if we were face to face and we could actually talk to other people and maybe try to create a bit of an antenatal group. That would have been pretty mm. cool. But yeah, unfortunately, we never yeah. got that opportunity. Yeah. Um, but I did do heaps of breastfeeding research. So I was pretty keen on breastfeeding and breastfeeding for as long as possible. I watched heaps of YouTube videos and mm. I went on to the Breastfeeding New Zealand website and they've got heaps of information on there. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I more kind of surrounded myself mm. about was the breastfeeding rather than the birth itself. Yeah, 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 cool. And were you doing anything like in preparation for birth, like antenatal expressing or cranial massage or anything like that? Um, yes, I did do antenatal expressing. So I did that from 30, 36 weeks and, um, I was getting quite a lot, like I could express off or I could probably keep, like I could just keep going. So I got quite a decent amount. I had about 10 mils in the freezer. Yeah. Yes. Um, which was good. And I also did the raspberry leaf tea, um, but I wasn't too keen on the, um, perennial massage (laughs) or anything. (laughs) and so you talked about um them wanting to induce you so do you want to take us through that decision and how far along you were and what that process was like yeah so as I said I was already admitted into the hospital and they didn't want to send me home and they said oh yeah. you know we want to induce you um we can induce you now or we can um, wait a little bit longer but I was kind of like, well, what's the point in waiting longer? Because you want to induce me anyway. I didn't have any, I guess, pre-labor signs as such. Um, so we're like, right, let's just get the show on the road. I think we were both a bit impatient as well. Just when you get to that end of pregnancy, you're so over it and you just want to meet your baby. Mm. Um, so we did, uh, they gave me the prostaglandin gel. Um, so I had two lots of that, I think like one in the night and one in the morning and nothing really was happening. I think I was about three centimetres dilated when they did the first lot. Um, and then it was a Sunday morning um, after once they'd given me some gel. I wasn't having any contractions or anything like that, but I was just dilated enough for them to break my waters. So they gave me some gas and I had a doctor come in and my legs were up in like the stirrups and they broke my waters for me. Um, And then pretty much within like an hour or two, I got moved to the birthing like suite in the hospital and they started the Sintocin drip. So that was 9am Sunday morning. They started the drip and slowly I started to get the contraction throughout the day. I was liking sitting on, um, they had like a, like a birth ball, and I was just pretty much sitting on that all day, sitting on this ball, mm-hmm. leaning over the bed. That was what I found most comfortable. Um, I was hooked up to all the monitoring and stuff, so I like couldn't have a shower, couldn't really move around. 
it was difficult, you know, to go to the toilet, had to get, you know, disconnected or wheel this little thing around. That was, to be honest, a pain in the butt. Um, so I was having the hospital midwives for all of this care. And then once I was in active labor, that was when my, um, my midwife came in. Yeah. I started getting, um, I think I was probably maybe six centimeters, but I was pretty over it, really tired. And this was at 7.30 at night. Um, mm-hmm. I chose to get the epidural, um, which, by the way, was the best thing in the whole entire world. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. kept getting it and just being like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. thank goodness. I feel like I can survive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, far out. Like, I am all for epidurals, all for pain relief. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, but I didn't actually know that once you get an epidural, your midwife if she's not epidural certified of course she leaves Mm. so it was about 9 p.m and she started saying you know I'm I'm gonna go now and I was like what what do you mean where are you going like I thought you're you're in it with me like Mm. what's going on she said oh you know it's late at night and I'm going home and your care now goes over to the hospital midwives so that was definitely a bit of a shock to the system Mm. um I wish I knew that beforehand and yes. that's definitely something that I took into consideration when I was choosing my midwife for my second child. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she left at nine. Um, so then at about 10 o'clock at night, I started to get like the shakes and I was feeling really sweaty and clammy and I could feel like my heart was racing and I was shaking mm. vigorously and I had a really high temperature. So I had a temperature of like 39. My heart rate was through the roof. Um, and I was thinking, what the heck is going on? And when you're a nurse, you know that when you have all of a sudden, like five or six people come into the room, you're thinking, <laughs> what the heck is going on? Yeah. Like, am I okay? And it, most of it was a bit of a blur, but I just remember all these people around me and this, my, I have like two or three doctors trying to get lines, more lines like IV lines in my arms and I'm just like what the heck is going on and Tim was freaking out um so they ended up giving me antibiotics um they gave me lots of IV fluids gave me lots of like ice chips and cold flannels to try and cool me down um they said I was nine centimeters dilated um but I yeah I was pretty out of it and quite unwell which was really scary um yeah that was really scary so the consultant was saying oh you know we'll give her another hour or so to see if she can fully dilate and see if she can push um I was pretty exhausted so I'm not too sure if that was going to happen but Mm. they were they were hoping um so I got to 1am and they came and checked me again I was feeling much better which was good I was just really tired and um, yeah, I was really exhausted, but I was still nine centimeters and um, Jackson who had the monitoring on him, he was not happy. He was having like lots of dips and everything on his Mm -hmm. little uh, CTG it's called. So they wanted to take me for an emergency cesarean. So that was pretty average, but yeah, we just, of course we wanted that. We just wanted me and the baby to be safe and okay. Yeah. Um, so they took me down to theatre and I never forget they, was, they put the drapes up and the surgeon was like, oh, you know, because um, they, they had topped up my epidural. So they, I already had the epidural and they gave me a bit more medication. She's like, oh, you know, can you feel this? I was like, yes, I can actually feel that. And she's like, are you sure? And I was like, yes, um, I actually can really feel that. I'm pretty sure I can feel that. And she's like, and she kind of waited for a few more minutes to see if the epidural would kick in a bit more. Definitely wasn't happening. She kept on trying. I, was like, I can definitely feel you prick. You're pricking on my right side. I can definitely feel it. She's like, oh, okay, shit. <laughs> so um, they decided to do a spinal, which mm-hmm. is, yeah, so slightly different than the epidural. Um, so I had a registrar doing this, and she was having massive difficulty trying to get this spinal in. She tried three times, mm-hmm. and then eventually – I got the consultant to come in and the consultant got it in, which was really good. Yeah. And they um, started the process of the um, C-section, which was all fine, absolutely all good. And, yeah, he came out and luckily he was 
you know, his APGAR scores were perfect. He um, was, you know, screaming, came out literally screaming in bright red, and which was just the biggest relief ever. It was so, such a good feeling that it was mm-hmm. over. And then we were like, oh, my God, is it a boy or a girl? Because we were just so happy <laughs> that it was actually finished. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Kind of finished. So, yeah, it was a boy, and we were, yeah, pretty, pretty, um, yeah, we were really stoked about that. Yeah. Um, so he was born at 3 a.m., so he was 38 weeks and three days. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. And how did you feel, like, once that sort of whole birth finished and they were needing to stitch you up, did you have him on you or where was he? And, yeah, how were you feeling? Do you remember how you felt at that time? Yeah, I remember feeling a bit a bit stunned, I think. He was mm-hmm. wrapped up in a blanket and Tim was holding him just next to me but it was a bit weird because I was imagining that experience of him being on my chest Mm. like you know I've just had this baby for like nine months I've you know given birth and well kind of given birth and now I don't I'm not holding him and it was quite Mm. a weird feeling and it was still really nice for to see Tim and him together which was really cool but you still want them on your chest so I didn't get any skin to skin till we went into Paku um, and because I had so much um, of the drugs, like the epidural and the spinal, I was really struggling to hold Jackson on my chest. So yeah. I had to like lean back. Luckily, he latched on really well and he was beating. But Tim had to like really hold Jackson onto mm. my chest. because I just, my arms, I just couldn't feel my arms. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was, but it was, it was a relief that it was all over. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so did you stay in the hospital for a couple of nights or how long were you there for? Um, we stayed in hospital for two nights. Um, so they wanted to monitor Jackson and then also continue antibiotics for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did do some blood cultures or like some bloods when I was quite sick during labour and it came back the next day saying that I had um positive blood cultures which just means that there was a bug and the bug was in my bloodstream Mm -hmm. so they said that it was um group b strep which is um it's a yeah really common bacteria and it's usually not um harmful at all and if you Mm -hmm. have it you just you don't have any symptoms you don't feel sick but it can cause a lot of problems for a newborn baby and it can cross Mm -hmm. over to the baby during birth so they wanted to monitor him but um, yeah, he was fine. So that was that was really good. So we had, yeah. I think, about 24 hours of just observations for him and then antibiotics for myself for about 48 hours. And then yeah. we went home. Um, I do want to add, though, the nurses were quite pushy about having my catheter out and my, mm-hmm. you know, they want, you know, they wanted to take it out straight away. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's going to stay in there for another day. I'm not moving <laughs> anywhere. So yeah. I think definitely... To anyone who does end up having a catheter, like you just say, if you want it left in, just just leave it in, you know. You mm-hmm. don't have to be pushed into something that you don't want to do. Yeah. And I think that really helps so much because the day after surgery, you're so sore. And the last mm-hmm. thing you want to do is also worrying about having to pee and measure your <laughs> pee. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. just... I remember yeah. that now that you're talking about it. I remember like the thing that you have to fill up and like show them that you've done yes. enough weight. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You have to yeah, probably pee in a jug or pee in a bedpan or something to yeah. measure your hair, which is really important. But <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> sometimes it's the last thing you feel like doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And how did you feel going home? Like, obviously, you've got your new baby and your whole life has changed right (laughs) so how did you feel yeah once you got home and what were those first few weeks like um it was a bit of a shock to the system Mm. um, to be honest (laughs) but it was it was so good Tim also had a couple of weeks off work so that helped and you know we kind of got into a little like team situation when whenever we'd get up in the night like he'd pass me the baby and I'd feed and then I'd pass him back and then he'd do the nappy and then he'd pass him back and it was really it worked really well um yeah that was really cool and um my milk came in at day three so I think I pretty much had just gotten home and my milk came in so it was good and breastfeeding was actually going really well um he I had like the very classic 
like cracked nipples, sore nipples. And I did use those hydrogel discs. Oh, mm-hmm. they were amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. Loved them. I think I really struggled with the sleep deprivation. Mm. Like, I think before a kid, I thought, you know, when a baby's tired, a baby's just will go to sleep. <laughs> um, but that's not really the case mm. most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, there are some sleepy babies, but um, Jackson was really not a sleepy baby. He was a very mm-hmm. awake baby. And I found that really hard. And I never forget that six week they do like a little six week growth spurt and I was up feeding and I think I fed like two hourly for a couple of days mm-hmm. and I remember waking up in the middle of the night and I said to Tim like I was like Tim there's someone next door and you know they've got a party going on like can you go tell them to turn the music down and he's like mm-hmm. unless we have no neighbors and also <laughs> there is no music outside and I was full on having like auditory hallucinations mm-hmm. I full on that I there was someone having a party and that's just how yeah. tired I was. I was so exhausted that I just I was hearing things and that was mm. that was really scary. Yeah. That was really scary. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, we got through. <laughs> yeah. And did you do anything at that time like talk to your midwife about that or yeah, what were you sort of like Yeah, I, I did kind of mention it to her, but I actually just called my mum the next day and I said, Mum, I really need you. And she got, because um, it was still level three, and they said that you couldn't travel between regions. Oh, but yeah. my midwife, she kindly wrote them a letter so that um, my parents could drive from Auckland down to um, the Bay Plenty. We were in the Bay Plenty at the time. And uh, that they could come and stay with us and help us out. So that was yeah. really good. So they came and stayed for a weekend, and that was just, that was amazing. Yeah. I got a little bit more sleep. Yeah, how all my, <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. It just makes you realize when you have a kid, like, how grateful you are of your own mom. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So that was, that yeah. was all good. Yeah, cool. Nice. And how did your recovery go from your C-section? Um, the recovery was, it was pretty good. It was pretty straightforward. Um, I definitely took the pain relief as I needed it. You know, I definitely took the pain relief for a good, like maybe three weeks. Mm. Um, yeah. So, th- I mean, that's what it's there for. Take the pain relief. Totally. I did find, obviously, if you take more pain relief, then you get other side effects, uh, side effects like constipation. So you have to think about that as well. Mm. Um, I... I guess long-term wise, I thought, oh, you know, it'd be really easy to get back into running and get back into exercise. Mm. And it so was not, oh my gosh. Yeah. That was, that was quite a big shock. Um, I still have pain. Like if I go for a run now, I still have pain across my C-section area, Mm. across the scar um, when I'm when I'm running. So that's something that I, I hope that will just kind of go away with time and hopefully, Mm. you know, as you just get stronger and more and more postpartum, um, that'll get better and better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can relate to the pain or C-section scar. I think I'm probably similar stage to you because Jai's two and a half and, yeah, I still sometimes experience that when I'm exercising. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy. No one tells you that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I probably probably did maybe too much too soon but mm. um in hindsight but um yeah 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 and so I guess fast forward a little bit yeah. <laughs> um, did you always know that you wanted to have another child and how did that all come about and yeah do you want to take us through falling pregnant the second time yeah so luckily um with the dairy farming I have managed to be a stay-at-home mum, which has just been amazing. Mm. So we kind of thought, right, let's get, let's have two kids and get them over and done with. Two under two, it'll be fine. <laughs> That's what we were thinking. <laughs> um, I love because I'm. <laughs> oh, I think you're in the same situation as me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Jackson turned one, um, and we were just right. Like I got, I had an idea, and I got the idea very straightforward getting pregnant again luckily thank goodness um so same again very impatient 
taking pregnancy tests every single day, even before my period's due, and then got a positive pregnancy test, which was uh, great. And at four weeks, uh, so I was only four weeks pregnant, my period was just due, and I started to have like a little bit of bleeding. I was like, oh, this is my period, but I'm also getting a positive pregnancy test. I'm a little bit confused what's going on. Um, I got a midwife, and she did some um, of the HCG levels, and we did like a few um, repeats, so every I think second day, I think it was, mm-hmm. or every day, like to see if the number was doubling, yeah. and they weren't. So she's like, oh, you know, your numbers aren't looking that good, and you've got a bit of bleeding. Maybe you're going to have a miscarriage, mm. and that was a bit of a shock because I think everything had gone very straightforward um, up until then. But I wasn't having any other miscarriage symptoms. You know, I wasn't getting any cramps. Um, The bleeding wasn't getting heavier. It was just this constant, Mm. like, I'd have to wear, like, a liner all day. Yeah. So that was a bit odd. spotting, right? Like, it was more than spotting? Yeah, definitely. I guess it would say, like, a a light period. That's what I would Mm. describe it as. Yeah. Um, So she said, oh, you know, well... We can do a scan, but, you know, you can't hear the heartbeat till usually I think about six or seven weeks. Mm. And a scan would be more accurate if we waited till eight weeks. I was like, okay, we'll do that. Um, so we just, yeah, we booked in for a scan. And anyway, we I went to the scan and I was full on thinking that there was not going to be a baby there and that there was not going to be a heartbeat. And you were eight and weeks. Amazing. So. I was eight weeks pregnant yeah. and there was... A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Heartbeat. So oh, wow. I literally just cried. And then I was thinking, oh my God, well, what's going on? Mm. Why am I bleeding? <laughs> so I had something called a subchorionic hematoma. Mm hmm which is where blood um, fills between the uterus and the membranes. So it's something that is um, quite common in the first part of pregnancy Mm. and it goes away by itself. And it's usually something that is not like damaging or anything to your baby or you or your pregnancy. So that was a huge relief. Um, So we just had to have another scan, like the standard scan at 12 weeks, just to make sure that the, hematoma was going down or that it had completely gone Mm -hmm. and we um and it had completely gone so at the 12 week scan the hematoma had gone and i'd stopped bleeding which was great um yes that was that was a huge relief huge relief yeah 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 for sure and how are you feeling otherwise like in sort of the rest of your first trimester were you feeling many other symptoms um, just the same as Jackson, really. So I just had that nausea um, for the first, like, 12 weeks. Didn't have any vomiting, luckily. Just extreme tiredness. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I felt like I could sleep all day. Um, <laughs> oh, but, yeah, so just, the yeah, tiredness and the nausea. Yeah, yeah, cool. And so you went with a different midwife this time around? Yeah, so with the farming, we had kind of moved around a little bit, so... We now were living in the Waikato. Um, so we were living kind of like Morrinsville, Te Araha area, um, and we were farming there. So we had a midwife there, and she was, yeah, she was really good. Um, yeah. And then it wasn't a, when we were, when I was 28 weeks pregnant, um, we actually, my husband got a contract milking job um, for a larger farm. So we were like, right, let's move again. Very, very overmoving. But anyway, we moved again and we're now living in Northland. And I was 28 weeks pregnant and I was thinking, oh, my God, how the heck am I going to find a midwife mm. when I'm 28 weeks pregnant? And it was a mission. I called every single midwife on that Find Your Midwife page and they were all <laughs> fully booked. So my only other option was to have the hospital midwives. Um, yeah. So I said, okay, I'll have them the hospital midwives. And I'd spoken to them and I organized to have um, my first appointment with them. And then magically I got this phone call. She's like, oh, you know, hi, my name's Jo and I'm a midwife in Northland. And um, 
uh, I can take you on. I was like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, yes, please take me on. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, she was honestly a godsend. She was like, you know, when you just meet people and you just click with them, she was one of those people that I just was thinking, oh my God, I, I could be besties with you for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, she was She was so cool. Yeah, yeah amazing. Awesome. And did you feel in this pregnancy like you wanted to have another surprise gender or what were your thoughts there? Actually, we chose to um, find out the gender this time. Yeah. And I think with Jackson, I mean, having the gender surprise was great, but I think we were also just like, oh, thank God it's over. And I think the whole, Mm -hmm. it wasn't as big of a surprise as maybe what we thought it was going to be, but um yeah, so we chose to have the um, to find out that um, yeah Olivia was going to be a girl, and it just kind of made things a little bit, I guess, more practical. We could kind of you know plan what she was going to wear or you know that kind of thing, and whether mm-hmm. we could give Jackson's clothes away because we're pretty set on mm-hmm. having two kids. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, cool. And what were your thoughts around like labor and birth this time? Did you think that you might go for an elective cesarean or were you wanting to try and have a vaginal birth? What were you thinking there? Um, so I did do quite a bit of research around the whole um, high blood pressure and um, getting mm. in, induced as such. Because um, they said, you know, you've, you've had high blood pressure in the past you're more likely to get it again. So they did do lots of monitoring for me and um, they I had quite a few scans towards the end of my pre Um, But I was pretty keen on having a VBAC if possible. So I didn't really want to make a massive plan. And I think with Jackson's birth, I definitely did make a quite a big plan. And when it, when it didn't go to plan, because it never goes to plan, mm-hmm. I was quite disappointed. Mm-hmm. So I did talk to the um, obstetricians at the hospital quite a lot and also with my midwife. She was amazing with all the decision-making. So I just, I didn't want to have an induction with the syntocin because that is what increases your chances of having a uterine rupture. Mm -hmm. And if you've got high blood pressure and you've got the syntocin drip, it pretty much doubles your chance. Um, And I, didn't really want to have a hysterectomy um yeah because of course if you have a uterine rupture then you can't have any more kids Mm. you have to have a hysterectomy and it's life-threatening so I definitely wanted to avoid that yeah so I was kind of I was definitely stuck because I knew that having an elective cesarean would get rid of all of that and you know we could just have another c-section it would be sweet but at the same time I was like oh but I I really wanted to have go into labor naturally there's just something about it that I just really felt like I missed out yeah I felt like I really wanted to push a baby out which sounds <laughs> kind of odd but I want I wanted to it uh, sounds weird but I wanted to feel like I was gonna like I wanted to feel my baby coming out yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um yeah so that's I guess we we thought okay right we'll go for a v-back um but if we get too far along or if I get high blood pressure then we'll go for a c-section that's pretty much what we came down to yeah yeah awesome cool and how were you feeling in the end of your pregnancy did you have issues with high blood pressure again and yeah do you want to talk us through if you went into labor or what happened there so towards the end of pregnancy I was so over it um You know, whether you just see those beautiful people who are pregnant and they just mm. glow and they just make it look so easy. Mm. And, oh my gosh, when you, I feel like when you get to like 38, 39 weeks, you don't glow and it's not easy. No, it's no, really hard. It's no <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I was I was pretty happy that, you know, I was I had a few stretch and sweeps with the midwife. Um, I tried acupuncture as well. Um, that was really good actually but I did develop high blood pressure so the midwife took my blood pressure and she's like oh do you really want to know what it is and I was like oh shit mm-hmm. what is it <laughs> so I did have to go into hospital um but my blood pressure came down and I didn't need to have any medication mm-hmm. and they were like oh you know do you still want to do a c-section I said no I want to go home I'm 41 weeks and I really feel like this baby is going to be here soon and I mm-hmm. really 
don't want to have um I really yeah I just want to see what happens just give me a little bit more time my blood pressure is stable they said okay well you're already overdue so we'll book you in for an induction or an elective c-section it was going to be like on a Sunday morning so okay whatever anyway went home my parents were there um which was good so my dad was like right Annalise you need to get to it we're going down to the Whangarei Town Basin, we're going mm-hmm. for a massive walk, and you're going to get some acupuncture. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, okay, let's go. So we did this ridiculous walk, and I was so sore afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I had the acupuncture as well on a Friday and this massive walk on a Saturday, and the induction was going to be booked on the Sunday. Yeah. Anyway, on that Saturday night, so I guess the night before I'm supposed to go into hospital to have the baby, I woke up at 1am with a massive contraction and I was thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> yes, I'm finally in labor. And for weeks on end, like pretty much from like 38 weeks, I've been having contractions at nighttime, but they never ever eventuated into anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just having this like, and I'd be up all night and I'd be timing them, but they just never went anywhere. And it was so frustrating. And I think yeah. when you go overdue and then you have these false contractions, it just drives you mad. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, but anyway, I woke up with this massive contraction. I was thinking, oh, my God, please be it. Please be it. And, you know, it finally was it. And I started timing them. And I was thinking, shit, they're already, like, two minutes apart, three minutes apart. And I was, like, having to, like, really stop and breathe through them. And I woke up Tim and I was like, Tim, I think I might actually be in labor. And he's like, no, 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 you've, you haven't been in labor. You've been thinking that for weeks. Mm. <laughs> I was like, no, I think, I think I actually might be in labor. And then he looked at me and he's like, oh shit, I'll call the midwife. I was like, okay. So, cause we have no cell phone reception at our house. He's out on the driveway, like walking down to the road to go and call the bloody midwife. <laughs> um, and she, it was our backup midwife, which I was pretty gutted about. But anyway, she turned out to be great. It is what it is. Um, so I woke up at one and we were on the road at 20 to two and we made it to hospital at 2 a.m., probably going way too fast. Hmm. Um, but I was, it was a really hairy car ride and I was thinking, hmm. I was in the back seat of the car, leaning over the car seat almost. That was yeah. probably what was most comfortable. Yeah. Um, but I kept on feeling like I needed to push. I was like, oh, I won't tell Tim because mm-hmm. <laughs> imagine if he knew, oh, my God, he probably would almost have, like, a car crash. Yeah. So, um, anyway, we got to the hospital and I was seven centimetres dilated. I was like, give me the epidural. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Am yeah. I too far gone to give me the, give me this bloody epidural? And they said, nah, you're way too, you're too far, girl. You're already doing really well. Mm-hmm. Don't have the epidural. You, it's too late. I was like, okay. So they had at Whangarei Hospital a wireless monitoring system, which mm-hmm. was so good. So they wanted me monitored because of the um, C-section history. Yeah. And they said that I could still get in the shower with the um, wireless monitoring on, which was so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I Oh, God, I hope everyone has that if they have monitoring. Mm-hmm. So I tried the shower and I just had the shower on my back because I had a lot of back pain. Um, just trying to breathe through it but the pain was so intense I was actually like struggling to stay standing yeah um so I, I said oh you know like let's go back to the bed and I was over the back of the bed like with the the head of the bed up and with my arms over the back of the bed I was like that for ages um but so what was I 2 a.m seven centimeters when I arrived and then I was fully dilated at 3am so I progressed quite quickly Mm. and I was using the gas which I did find quite good to start off with but after a while I think I got quite nauseous with it ditched the gas um, and I think I really relied on my midwife she was this well this um, backup midwife she was quite spiritual like and I'm not normally a spiritual person Mm. but boy oh boy when you're in that like time like I just remember having this intense contraction and looking into her eyes and she just looked straight back at me like Mm. as if she wasn't scared and it just made me feel like ah this is okay Mm. what's going on is normal let's take a deep breath 
and yeah, she was, she was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, so I started pushing. I was on my back and I was, yeah, on my back on the bed pushing and like holding my feet up myself and Tim was helping mm. me a little bit and I could definitely feel um, the baby coming down. So I ended up having a, quite a long pushing stage of an hour and a half. Uh, so I just got to the point where like she was there, but I just couldn't get her out. <laughs> and I was just mm. like, oh my God, I'm struggling. Like, please, I just really want some help. Um, I don't even know when I'm having contraction anymore. Like I just feel like I'm sore all the time. Mm. And at this stage, she was just a little bit unhappy on the monitor. She was okay, but like not the best. So yeah. they did get the doctors in. She said, right, what do you want to do? I said, I just want this bloody baby out. And mm. um, so they <laughs> did a episiotomy and the suction delivery the Vontus and they put that on her head. And so then she was out within two pushes and straight onto yeah. my chest, which was amazing. And, yeah. oh, God, it just makes you want to cry thinking about it. But <laughs> I just, yeah, yeah. it also made me realize that I just wish that I had that with Jackson and I, and I yeah. didn't. And I just, oh, man, I really wish I had that with him. But, yeah, yeah so she was on my chest and she straight away latched on and straight away was feeding and cried. And she was beautiful and she just had this, massive mop of hair like <laughs> you have to see a photo like seriously yeah, her hair would yeah. weigh like 500 grams or something and <laughs> she was a beautiful weight they've been telling me the whole time that she was going to be this like tiny six pound or five five and a half pound baby and she ended up being seven pound six so <laughs> yeah. yeah i just Amazing. yeah so that that was amazing yeah yeah cool and did she like latch on and without a big cry and all of that stuff when she was on your chest? Yeah, she did this big cry. She was all pink and warm and, mm -hmm. um, yeah, huge relief. And, yeah, latched on straight away, was feeding beautifully, and she stayed on there for pretty much like an hour because, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want her to be taken off. And they didn't yeah. push me or anything. They were happy with her being there and they were happy with me. And they had to stitch me up as well. So yeah. she was just feeding and they were stitching me up. Um, so that was good. Yeah, and you hadn't had the epidural, so how did you find, like, the episiotomy and then the stitches? I, um, they gave me some local anesthetic, yeah, which definitely hurt getting put in, but I didn't feel the stitches at all getting done. I know lots of people do feel the stitches, mm. um, but, yeah, no, that local worked a treat. Yeah, amazing. Very cool. And what sort of happened from there? Did you just keep uh, Olivia on your chest for a while and did you spend a couple of days in hospital again? Or, yeah, what happened next? So they oh, they did have quite a bit of trouble pulling my placenta out. So I had the injection um, and I was trying to push the placenta out, but the consultant was really having to like really pull the cord. When it came out, they said, oh, mm -hmm. your placenta um, kind of could be incomplete. Um, there could be a little bit missing, but we're not 100% sure. So the midwife was like, no, there's definitely a bit missing. And then the consultant was like, oh, I don't really want to take you to theatre unless we really have to. Um, so they wanted me to stay for a night just to monitor the bleeding and see if I would pass the rest of the placenta yeah. so my bleeding was fine I you know it was like all looking well and she was feeding beautifully and yeah so we went home the day after so she was born at five 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 thirty in the morning and then yeah. we went home like the following morning pretty much so I guess 24 hours in hospital yeah um but I guess very quickly jumping forward the placenta, I actually ended up passing it when I was seven weeks postpartum. Yeah. So I had, normally when you get a bit of retained placenta, you get mm. an infection and then you yeah. have to go in and get it taken out. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not my placenta, but I took a photo and I sent it to my midwife and she's like, no, that is definitely part of your placenta. And it was like a decent chunk. Like imagine like an iPhone, like half of your iPhone. Like it was a big piece. Yeah. 
Mm, wow. Um, and she's like, I cannot believe you didn't get sick. That's just incredible. <laughs> she's like, send me this photo. I need to show my colleagues. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so we were really lucky with that. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so we went home and, you know, all those like beautiful pictures when people post photos on Instagram of the, uh, your second child meeting your newborn. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that did not happen with us. <laughs> Jackson just cried and cried and cried. And he was like, what the heck is this thing doing in my house? Mm. Um, he did hold her hand, but I think he, yeah, he was very confused. And so he would have been, how old was he? He was uh, 20, 20 months. Yeah. So, you know, he, he's still doesn't really understand too much but um yeah so it definitely wasn't that whole glorious instagram pic worthy welcoming (laughs) home yeah but but i can assure you it definitely got a lot better and he's just absolutely in love with her now um yeah yeah so we did we did notice olivia was two weeks old and we noticed quite a large lump on her neck so it was more so when she was turning her head and like feeding on one side, I could see this quite big lump, like a good Mm -hmm. two to three centimeters. And it was kind of like just above her collarbone. And I noticed as well that she only really liked to turn her head one way. So when she was sleeping, her head was so far over. It was almost Mm -hmm. as if her ear was on the side of the, like on the mattress. So we took her to the GP and the GP was like, Oh, that's a bit odd. Um, And he did a referral for the pediatric team at the hospital they called me pretty much straight away and we were in the hospital the next day to get this lump checked out. Mm. So they did a ultrasound scan of her neck, lots of blood tests. And we were only there for a day, which was good. Um, and the radiologist person who reviewed it said, oh, it kind of looks like something called a sternocleidomastoid tumour which is a very long name, but it's pretty much just Mm. the muscle between your ear and your collarbone. And she had a tumor, a benign tumor in her muscle, Mm. like a good three to four centimeters. Like it was pretty decent size. Mm. Um, So they did do a referral for us to go to Starship. So we went to Starship as well when Olivia was six weeks old. We had a meeting there with a consultant. And mostly the, the... I mean, it sounds way worse than what it actually is, Mm. but they did say that the suction delivery that she had is most likely the reason to cause this, this tumor in her neck. The the consultant kind of described it to me as if the suction cup wasn't directly in the middle of her head, it can pull her head a certain way and strain her neck muscle and cause almost like a bit of scar tissue. Mm Mm-hmm. So the tumour or well scar tissue does go away by itself, usually within about six to 12 months, but it does cause her to favour her head, Mm -hmm. um, only really turning away from the tumour. So she started to get a bit of a flat head. Um, It can cause a few other problems, like uh, more like physical developmental Mm -hmm. delays more so, like she, you know, might be late to crawl, late to like sit up, um, and can kind of be a little bit more, I guess, not central. So she's not quite like off, she's a bit yeah. off center when you look at her. Um, so the treatment for that is physiotherapy. So mm-hmm. we do physio exercises with her and she sees a physiotherapist once a month at the hospital. And yeah, hopefully it will just go away itself. Um, very mm-hmm. small chances it will stay. And if it does stay after 12 months, then they will surgically remove it. But at this stage, it looks like it's already getting smaller and smaller and smaller, which is good. So yeah, fingers wow. crossed uh, that continues. Yes, nobody had. <laughs> nobody yeah. had apart from the Starship consultant. So yeah. at um, the Whangarei Hospital, nobody knew what it was. They were printing mm-hmm. off Google Sheets for me to have a look at, <laughs> um, which wasn't exactly really reassuring. Yeah. But apparently it's less than 1% of newborns get this tumour yeah. as such. Yeah. Okay. And so how is she now? Like, do you notice any differences between her and Jackson other than the sort of favoring of, of one side and, and those sorts of things that you talked about? Um, 
Not really. Um, mm. She, for a little while, she did prefer to feed off one boob rather than the other. Um, but we just have been doing like heaps of physio and it, it's definitely been working. And now she's feeding well off both sides, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. We just, the main treatment for it is actually just tummy time. So we just do okay. so much tummy time, which is quite interesting. Um, and a couple of like holding positions for her to stretch it. But otherwise, when you look at her, you wouldn't, you wouldn't notice it at all. Um, yeah. Unless I specifically told you she looks, you know, she's happy days. It doesn't seem like it's painful or anything for her, which is really good. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And what about you? Like, obviously, that's quite a um, a shock to go through. I guess not expecting to have that with your newborn. So, how did your recovery go? And what was your mental health like? And yeah, how did you juggle all of that? Yeah, it wasn't exactly the recovery that I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking, oh, you know, we'll just stay at home and be at the farm and just chill out. But, yeah, instead we were just driving to all of these bloody appointments and, you know, I had to drag Jackson around and I just felt so sorry for Jackson because we were out of his routine. You know, we weren't going to play center. Oh, it sucked, to be honest. It actually really sucked. And it, once we finally got it all, you know, we got the physio, we finally got seen to physio because it was like a four-week wait to get into Whangarei Hospital Physio, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. But anyway, um, once we finally got all it all sorted, and we knew what we were doing and what we were tackling. And now we're back into a routine. Everything's so much nicer. Um, and uh, stitches-wise, I think I was sore for about three weeks. And I took mm-hmm. pain relief for a good couple of weeks for sure. But stitches have healed, healed beautifully, um, yeah, which is really good. Yeah. 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 And what about your relationship? How have you noticed or have you noticed any shifts in your relationship? And what does that look like for you and your husband as parents and partners? And yeah, do you want to talk us through that? Yeah, when you, I guess, we've never really had our family live close by. So it's not like I can just call up my mum and ask her to come and babysit. We've always, we've really had to rely on, you know, Tim and I, we had to really rely on each other. Yeah. And we've never, like, I think it wasn't until Jackson was probably, I think it was for his first birthday, actually, yeah. was probably the first time Tim and I actually went out on a date. So it was a good year yeah. before yeah. we had any time to actually sit down and have a glass of wine and be like, holy <laughs> shit, we've got a one-year-old. <laughs> we survived. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, it's amazing having kids and they just make us both so happy but there's definitely such a shift in your relationship and you know you get home from work and all you do is right okay feed the kids bath the kids put them in bed sit down and you're exhausted and you're like oh my gosh the last thing I feel like doing to be honest with you is having sex (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) and I mean nobody talks about it Mm. um yeah I think we've just tried to find other ways of spending quality time together you know with the kids of course um you know whether that be we all go out to a cafe and it usually ends in one child crying but we still get there and we still have a coffee yeah Yeah. Yeah. and I guess just accepting that this is only temporary this is not going to last forever and things are getting easier and easier every single day Mm. yeah Um, I think it's a good thing yeah, before you know it as well, you'll be probably retired and be like, right, where are we going to go for dinner tonight? That's probably what we'll be like. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I think it's yeah. a great reminder that, like, yeah, the kids are little for a really short period of time um, in the long run, but it doesn't feel like that when you're in it. Absolutely. So, like, definitely relate to that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's been so good. Like, we're so lucky that um, I have been a stay-at-home mum, like, Oh God, they test me sometimes, especially Jackson. Yeah. Terrible twos. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Like, I'm just thinking, what what parenting book can I read? Like, what can tell yeah. me what to do? Because I have no idea what I do. I'm doing right office. now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I need like steps on my fridge. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much, Annalise, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with us. I have loved talking to you today, and I know that there'll be lots of people out there who really enjoy your story. So yeah, just grateful that. You submitted your um, birth story and, yeah, I love talking to you. So thank you. Cool. Thank you so much for having me.
Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you have enjoyed it and I look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Talk soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.